from the 50, Midweek Edition. Hello, everybody, and welcome in on back to the From the 50 Midweek Review. I am your host, Zach Zook, and we got a pretty big one for you here today. We got Nick Tolley on the ones and twos. This is, of course, presented by Book It Sports. Head on over to Book It Sports, download the app from the App Store, and get in on the March Madness action. You've already missed opening weekend, so kind of a bummer there, but everybody's picks were wrong on opening weekend anyways. <laughs> they always say it's the upsets the first weekend, then the cream rises in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So, you know, take a little advice from, from your old pal Zach and go bet on the favorites this next weekend on the Book It Sports app and make yourself some money. We're also brought to you by Aces Wild, 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois. Head on over to Aces Wild and check them out. They got new TVs, darts. They got everything you need to have a good time. Kick back with the with the dudes and, uh, and enjoy a little uh, leisure time over at Aces Wild. Again, that's 208 North Main Street, Columbia, Illinois. And we did our free agency kind of special, I guess you would call it. Uh, and in this week, I kind of think we're kind of like wrapping up free agency, still a handful of important signings, I think went down this past week. And so we're going to cover that. Uh, we're, we got a couple of, in, of, of kind of cool questions to answer. I think from this stage in the off season that got to give Tolly some credit. He threw that together. And I think that's going to be really fun. So we'll have some fun with that. Both Tolly and I will answer those questions like most improved team, you know, biggest surprises, favorites heading into the season at this point. So, so we'll have some fun with that. And then we will do a deep drive on, on the draft quarterbacks. I said deep drive, didn't I? Deep you dive did. on the draft quarterbacks. Freudian slip there. And so uh, we got a good show today, but let's let's just hit a couple of these free agents. First off the top, Tyler, I want you to give me your quick takes on it. I guess the lead story would kind of be Andy Dalton to the Bears, and maybe we can expand a little bit more on this one just because of what it means for the organization. This was a team that was rumored in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. A lot of reports have come out since you know they ended up signing Andy Dalton. I think my takeaway first off, and I think a lot of Bears fans' takeaway, was that this was – an embarrassing move by Ryan Pace and the coaching staff that almost ensures that I think they're going to be gone at, at the conclusion of 2020. The McCaskies have reported, it's been reported that the McCaskies and Ted Phillips have, you know, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace on the hot seat this year. They essentially need to make the playoffs a wild card at the very least to keep their jobs. And I don't see how Andy Dalton does that. And, Basically, after they signed Dalton, the curious thing to me is you're in a year where you have you're I mean, you're literally coaching for your job. You sign Andy Dalton, but then it's like they start releasing all this defensive talent, which doesn't make it signals a rebuild, which I think is probably, I guess, the best thing long term for the Bears if they can't get a premier quarterback or at least an average one to get them over the hump. So I don't know, like <laughs> to me, Tolly, I don't know if if. Ryan Pace thinks that Andy Dalton is the quarterback to get them over the hump in a in a year in which they could be fired, or if if he is like kind of admitted it or maybe thinks he has more than a year because it looks like Akeem Hicks is going to get cut or traded. I think he was the best player on that defense last year. I think he was literally better than Khalil Mack in a vacuum. Twenty twenty before his injury, Akeem Hicks was better. Yeah. Uh, they 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 cut. Kyle Fuller. So you lost your best cornerback. You've lost your best interior defensive lineman. Oh, by the way, your GM was about to trade your starting middle linebacker and Khalil Mack and three first round picks for Russell Wilson. So they were all on the block. I the the offer I had heard was three first round picks from the Chicago Bears, Roquan Smith and Kyle Fuller. So uh, I had also heard that Akeem Hicks and and uh, Khalil Mack were a part of a package that they were going to dump to Seattle. And Seattle basically told them no. They basically said, you cannot have Russ. And it, it I mean, I hate to take a victory lap, but I told you it was never going to happen because Seattle has to get a quarterback back for Russell Wilson. I heard I that this might still the, happen, though. To the Bears? Yeah. Andy, 
they're saying Andy Dalton might be one of those starters that they're going to include into this trade. They might still try it. So there's five stages of, of, of grief, right, Nick? Yeah. And so I think what is happening is you're some bears fans, I think have gotten to, to the bargaining stage where it's like, okay, well, like Andy Dalton is better than Mitch Trubisky. Andy Dalton's better than Nick Foles. Like, like maybe Andy Dalton, like maybe he's, it's fine. You know, like we'll start running the offense a little better. Andy Dalton's at least not going to throw stupid picks, although he might, but, uh, you know, at least like Andy Dalton might get us over the hump. Like I can buy into Andy Dalton. I do this as a Sox fan a lot as we sign the mid-tier free agents, the Adam Eatons of the world, rather than the Manny Machados and the Bryce Harpers of the world. So I, I I understand this. And then there's the other Bears fans, Nick, that are in the denial phase. They are still on the first stage of grief in which they still think they're getting Russell Wilson, which is simply not going to happen because you have Nick Foles under contract, you have Andy Dalton under contract, and I got news for you. Seattle isn't any more interested in having Andy Dalton than they were in Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles. It's not going to happen in a million years. And I think at this point, I got to think Russ is probably going to be a Seahawk, at least until after the NFL draft. And then maybe some things shake out. Or, But if he's traded before the draft, I just don't see any other landing spot than the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins for Russell Wilson, because they're really the only teams similar to Deshaun Watson that I think could make a play for him where it doesn't make, you know, just absolutely stupid sense. You know, from the Bears' perspective, too, okay, you get Russell Wilson. You He wants a new deal. You're going to have to give him a lot of money. So you're going to be cutting Akeem Hicks. You've already lost Kyle Fuller. That defense is not going to be the same. And... You're going to be without a first-round pick for the next three years. You'll go five years without having a first-round pick if you're Chicago. I don't think that's exactly a winning recipe either. So I, I don't I, – I mean, I think I blame Ryan Pace more from the fact of just the Andy Dalton signing, like in, in a year in which you're going to lose your job, is astounding to me. I, I, I just really don't – I don't think Ryan Pace gets it. Like, And then to like – it's it's rumored that they're going to cut Hicks. They've already parted ways with 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 Kyle Fuller, and the the pieces are starting to come off. They lost Roy Robertson, Harrison, free agency, key part of the defensive interior alongside Akeem Hicks. He was a really nice rotational player, had great interior pass rush, and so you're seeing like some of the dominoes start to fall. Allen Robinson's unhappy. What's going to happen with him? You, I think you would have been smarter to like bring back Mitch on a one year deal and hoping that he improves rather than bringing Andy Dalton, who has had success in this league and who I've been in his corner, he were graded out as one of the, the worst quarterbacks last year. It's it's not going to work. Yeah, He's he going to be running for his all. life. Didn't they uh, Did they cut a tackle or or they brought back Jermaine Effetti? Like the line's going to be worse, I think, than it was last year potentially. So like they have just a ton of problems now. Like, like I, I – at least in the last couple of years, especially the year they went 12 and four, Mitch sucked, but the roster was unreal. Like that defense was insane. You had skill, skill players at the offensive positions. And now it's like, they're trying to trade Anthony Miller. It's like they're, they're starting the rebuild. So to me, I just don't know. They feel like a team that doesn't have a direction to me. I think the Andy Dalton thing is almost assuredly going to fail. And are they going to win three games? No, they're a better team than that. And Andy Dalton's a better quarterback than that. But to think that they're going to make the playoffs, I think, is a little outrageous. I think they're definitely the third best team in the division now behind the Vikings, and it's not close. It yeah. is not close because the thing that had, had always kept them in the games the last couple of years, even when they struggled, was their defense. And I, I think their defense is going to be more average this year than it has been top 10 in years past. So, that's kind of my thoughts on Ryan Pace and the Bears. Nick, what's what's kind of your takeaway from the whole thing? Do you do you agree with what I'm saying? Do you think I'm an idiot? What tell me the scoop here? <laughs> no, I definitely agree with you. I it's tough when I think this is what you see too. How many first round picks did they trade away for Khalil Mack? And they haven't been able to kind of reinvest in the team and keep it going as guys become too expensive. You're gonna lose people of free agency and you have to be able to replace them. And they haven't been able to do that in the draft. 
Yeah, which is why I think uh, eventually it's all we talked about this with the Rams. Like it's all going to come crashing down on the Rams eventually. Like yeah. Jalen Ramsey gets hurt, Aaron Donald gets hurt, like they're done, you know. Well, that's because even they what don't happened have the depth. That's what happened to the Patriots this past year. Like Bill came out and said we went for it for five straight years at some point that money you can't move it anymore. It's going to catch up and you got to reset. You can only kick the can down the road so far. And it, it, it's yep. a good point. Like they gave up the two first rounders for Khalil, even if you got Russell, like we were just saying, it's five years without a first round <laughs> yeah. pick. And, and you know, Ryan Pace for some of the home runs he's hit. I mean, like David Montgomery, good pick in the third round, but it's like, let's quit pretending like it's that hard to find a running back in the middle mm-hmm. rounds. And Cole Komet, we've been hearing he's going to be really good, but yet he doesn't play. It is so like, Twelve Jimmy, tight ends on the Jimmy the Graham's, last year. Exactly, Jimmy Graham's getting reps over him. <laughs> uh, not Adrian Amos, but Eddie Jackson was an awesome pick by Ryan Pace. But then it's like you got the quarterback wrong. You continue to blow these high picks. Didn't they blow one give on like Kevin White or someone the wide receiver out of West Virginia? Yeah, Kevin White was like sixth overall. I want to say the, the Leonard Floyd pick. I don't think he you could necessarily call him a bust, but it wasn't for as high as they picked. I mean, that's like about where the Packers picked Rashawn Gary, I think if I'm not mistaken. And I'd say both those players are like not really what you you're hoping for when you're drafting that high with your first your first pick, you know. So uh yeah, I just think that Ryan Pace just it, it isn't getting it done. And, and I think that when you make a, a colossal mistake like Mitch Trubisky, I mean, not like the guy was average. The guy was terrible. And when you miss that big, you're going to, you're, you're probably going to get fired. I mean, it's just, I, I remember saying this when he got drafted or after his rookie year, like confirming what I already had. I did not like him out of college. Uh, I was not you know, in his corner, I was a big Deshaun Watson guy. He would have been the only one I think I would have taken in the first round. And, uh, you know, I, so when they picked Trubisky and then he, you know, didn't look very good his rookie year, I'm thinking like, I I remember saying like this, this, this sets your franchise back five years because for all of Ryan Pace's successes, maybe with Eddie Jackson, he's constantly chasing to catch up to try to make up for that mistake and and you you can't and he tried to get Khalil Mack to try to make get get the defense to be good enough to put them over the top and he couldn't overcome the Trubisky thing and then I think he's compounded it he's compounded his failure by one not abandoning the Mitch Trubisky thing soon enough like to have him start for four years is terrible in a league now where you're seeing Josh Rosen one year with the Cardinals, gone. Tua Tagovailoa, they're thinking about moving off of him. Sam Darnold has started for one year less than Trubisky, right? His He's in yeah. his third year. So uh, they're they're getting ready to potentially move off of him. And Sam Darnold, i got to tell you, he has a heck of a lot more pedigree, I think, than, than Trubisky coming out and has proven a little bit more than Trubisky in his, in his pro career playing with a whole hell of a lot less. Well, and so, he also made it even worse when he goes and spends $19 million on Nick Foles. And that's exactly what I was getting to. He's compounded that mistake then by, you know, re- signing the Nick Foles deal before Trubisky, bringing in Mike Glennon, right? He, yeah. he did that. So I think he's just made too many colossal mistakes to, to overcome it at this point. And unfortunately, he's going to bring Matt Nagy down with him, which Matt Nagy has some issues. I would take him as the coach of the Packers any day. And I think that's a little bit of a hot take right now. <laughs> that's a but spicy I think, one. I think that n- not over LaFleur. Okay, I want to clarify okay. that. Okay. Not over LaFleur, <laughs> but like, like he could, like if we had to sell out McCarthy, like he could coach yeah. the team any day of the week for me. So like I do think he's going to be a successful head coach in the NFL. I think he's shown flashes, but I just think it's not working out. He's a first-time head coach. Let's not forget that. He's definitely made some big time mistakes, like with game management. He does not run the football enough. I mean, I I know that we're so in love with analytics and passing the football. I more than anybody else, but it's a tried and true formula throughout the history of the NFL that you need to run the ball to take pressure off the quarterback so he can throw, and you need to play defense to win a Super Bowl. And I feel like 
in 95% of cases, that is pretty much true. I mean, even when the Packers won, they had a great defense. It was the one year in Aaron Rodgers' career where they had a really good defense with uh, Desmond Bishop and Charles Woodson and Nick Collins and Tremont Williams and Sam Shields and Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, and the list goes on. But even look at this year, the Bucs had a much better defense than the Chiefs, and they ran the ball way better. They had an elite defense. They had an elite offensive line, which I think is more and more of a prerequisite, too, that doesn't get talked about enough. You have to protect the quarterback. It basically goes hand-in-hand with a running game, right? Because as talented as your running back is, the offensive line is more of a product of the run game, I think, than, than than the back in most cases. Not to say that the running back's not important or isn't talented or doesn't need to be talented, but like... You could have Barry Barry Sanders, you know, back there, and we we've literally seen it with the Lions that you can only go so far, right? So uh, I, I think that that's still you know the formula to win, and I just don't know that Matt Nagy, you know, was given the resources to succeed. Um, and like I said, definitely made mistakes by not running the football. But uh, when you're given Mitch Trubisky in a division with Aaron Rodgers and you got the Vikings with Mike Zimmer and it's not like Kirk Cousins is some scrub. I know we like to meme him on Twitter. I more than anybody, but like, it's, it's not like he's the, he's a bottom feeder. I mean, it's a, a, a good team with a defense. That's just as good historically over the last five to 10 years. So I do think Matt Nagy is not really, he's part of the problem, but he's like 10% of it. Right? Like I think Mitch is obviously a big part of it. And then Ryan pace. So uh, but that's that's a I think a good opening story. Like I really think the Bears have taken over the headlines this last week, and I think that was by far the biggest story. The reaction to that Dalton signing. So let's uh, quick go around the horn here uh, and look at some of the other more premier free agents to sign. Kenny Galladay to the Giants, and I, I thought that this one was interesting. It was speculated on. Uh, everybody had the hashtags going for Kenny Galladay. I don't know if you saw that, Nick, but like I did not. They had a. Uh, there was hashtag Gala Day, D-E-Y, trending for the Bengals <laughs> who were in on him. And uh, I think that – that uh, oh, yeah, they were ha- – the Giants fans were hashtagging Kenny, but with the, the hashtag was the N and the Y in Kenny. And then mm. Kenny Galladay, you get it. Yeah. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, so that – everybody was pulling out all the stops for Kenny Galladay, Northern Illinois product. You love to see him have success. Glad he's out of the division, to be completely honest yeah. with you. He's a hell of a player. And I think it's a great signing by the Giants because they have had some interesting pieces. Like Darius Slayton is really an intriguing player, I think. And, mm-hmm. and you know what I go back to? What I think we're we're getting to, and I, I shit on Dave Gettleman a lot, but I, I think the Odell Beckham trade was one of the better things that has happened to the Giants. I think it allowed them to get to a place where they could heal. Like you got rid of Shermer, you you were able to get Odell out of the building. You were able to kind of start fresh, and I st- it, I still don't think like I don't agree with Gettleman's pick of Daniel Jones. I would not have taken him in the first round. I don't think that's arguable at this point. He's he was not a first round player, but I do think Daniel Jones has shown some flashes of at least being able to manage a game and to be competent enough to win them a division. I think the NFC East is going to be weak again. I think the Cowboys are the obvious front runners, but I think that uh, the Giants are right there and they could have won the division last year. And so with Saquon healthy, you, you, you get some help for Daniel Jones, a true number one target, which opens things up for Darius Slayton. And, and if they could add maybe a, a slot guy or two or, or a tight end that could catch the ball, uh, you know, I think that they'd be in business and the defense seems to be on the right track, on the right path anyways. They really were playing some winning football in the month of November and December. And so I, I like the signing. I think they're going to be really interesting to watch. I ultimately kind of think the Giants are still going to come up short. I just, they have a lot of solid players. I don't know if they, I, th- I think they're short where it matters uh, at, at the impact positions. Um, but I think that this was a significant step in the right direction to find out if Daniel Jones is your franchise quarterback or not. So the Broncos also signed, made a big signing. Uh, uh, Kyle Fuller, I keep wanting to say Will Fuller. Kyle Fuller to the Broncos. Um, Fuller, obviously, as we mentioned, just cut by the Bears, signs with the Broncos. Got to be the least surprising signing ever, right? Like Kyle Fuller returns to Vic Fangio's defense. 
uh, it's it a position quick, need. Too. Yeah, position need for the Broncos, who uh, I believe still have AJ Bouye on the roster. I know there was some talk about him getting cut or traded. Actually, he might be on the on the street. I got to do some research on that. But it, but regardless, cornerback was a position of need for the Broncos, who had moved on from Chris Harris Jr., who is now with the Chargers. They didn't have him last year, so they really needed to shore up that position because they have some talented players on defense. You got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Uh, at safety, they have a, a really talented safety. I think Justin Simmons is his name. Um, and, and they have some intriguing pieces. I mean, God, I can, can you imagine if they didn't let Shaq Barrett walk the Broncos? Oh. I mean, imagine how nasty that pass rush would God. be. We might be talking about uh, the, the Broncos as Super Bowl contenders if they got got the quarterback situation figured out. But uh, they might go all in for Deshaun or Russell if that was the case. And, and, and you know, they're a team that I think is one to keep an eye on as we approach the draft for either a trade or to to draft a quarterback. I think I think. For them, a lot of thing is a lot of it is in flux because they don't have a super high draft position. You know, it takes two to tango. Feels like both Seattle and Houston are reluctant to trade the QBs. So, uh, especially to a to a winning situation. But I mean, like that is what they're missing. I mean, you got Jerry Judy, you got Cortland Sutton, you got KJ Hamler, Deshaun <laughs> Hamilton. You got several backs. I mean, it's time to roll if, if, yeah. if you're the Denver Broncos, especially after Garrett Bowles pulled his head out. And he's playing like an all pro. Uh, so I like that signing for Denver. He goes back to Vic Fangio's scheme, who knows exactly how to use him, who knows exactly what his strengths and weaknesses are. That just makes too much sense. So, uh, what are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I mean, that's good for them. I think there's a lot of teams that are needing corners right now and would have loved to have, have had them. It feels like there's a bunch on the market still. Uh, Patrick Peterson signs with the Vikings, but you still got, you know, Richard Sherman is still out there. Uh, I, I do think AJ Bouye, the more I think about it, I do think he's a free agent. Um, and, and you have several guys that have been cut or had were on expiring deals. Xavier Rhodes is out there. So there's a lot of guys out there to be signed. Um, some of the younger guys like Shaquille Griffin has come off the market. He went to the Jags. But um, th- there's there's a lot of veterans out there that I think are kind of uh, uh, potentially going to wait till after the draft. To be honest, I think a lot of these I older guys, it's, it's it's tough to give them money. Like if they don't sign, if they're not a target of yours in the first you know couple days, first week or two, yeah. a lot of times they're reluctant to give you money until the draft, and then it's like okay. Well, we didn't get the we didn't get the corner we wanted in the draft. Now maybe we pay Richard the money. So uh, I, I think that's I, th- I think a lot of it too. So uh, the other the other signings, who did uh, Will Fuller sign with? Tolly, do you know off the top of your head? I know he signed somewhere, Miami. Uh, yes. And Sorry it, for putting you on the spot. I just no, as I it, said, Kyle Fuller. I was like, oh, Will yeah, Fuller signed too. I believe he signed with Miami for ten million. Yeah, ten point six million with Miami, and then Juju signed back with the Steelers and only got eight. That was a little That's shocking right. to me. Yeah, so uh, I, I think Juju is more of a product of there not being a ton of money to go around, and I think that Juju is a really talented player. He's worth way more than he's going to be making this year in Pittsburgh, but I think he is like a little replaceable from the sense of like he's got some off the field stuff, not like bad things, but like. He's got the TikTok crap. Things, yeah. It's annoying stuff. And and I commend him for his personality and making the money off the field that he has. But I think like more on the field, especially in the Steelers case, like they, they drafted your replacement in Chase Claypool already. Yeah. Like we're not giving you the money. And, and Juju is not some physical freak. You can find guys that profile athletically. I'm not saying that are as good as Juju Smith-Schuster, but profile athletically like Juju Smith-Schuster in like the fourth or fifth round. Those guys are a dime a dozen. He's not overly tall. He's not fast. I believe he ran a yeah. 4 six forty coming out of college, which is like half a tenth faster than I ran. <laughs> so uh, 
he's not some speed guy. I think he's a, like, I really was hoping that the Packers were going to trade for him last year. I think he's just a guy that needs to be in an offense that's already functioning. I don't think he's like the true number one. He's a right. great compliment. And, but I think that he is a guy that you have to know how to use. So I think that that's part of the reluctancy for teams, especially when they probably feel like they could get somebody similar in the draft or take a take more of a leap at somebody that's a little more toolsy, like Kenny Galladay, for example, or uh, somebody that has you know uh, a standout trait. Because Juju doesn't really have that. I think his biggest standout trait is probably his competitiveness, toughness, like that sort of thing, which is absolutely valuable. But uh, I think that's part of the reason you see him sign for eight million dollars for Miami. I, I mean. I, I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest on Will Fuller, but they absolutely a, need to get some weapons there. It's a lot of money for a guy that I don't think has ever played more than 10 games in a season. And a guy that I, I feel like he's gotten better uh, for sure, but I feel like he's not a number one either. Um, yeah. So they, they still have Devontae Parker, I believe, but like their skill weapons are, are really subpar, even with Devontae Parker, who also ideally is like your second best receiver. And even then, like there's a handful of number twos I take over him in the league right now. So uh, I, they, they definitely have to add weapons. So I, I don't, I mean, Will Fuller, Will Fuller's a weapon. You got to yeah. plan for him and scout for him during the week. You got to make sure. 15 isn't going to be, yeah, if he's on the field, we got to make sure he's not beating us deep. So, um, but, but certainly interesting. How about, how about uh, just cherry on top before we move on? Uh, how about Trubisky to the bills, Nick? Yeah. So I wanted to address this. So anyone that <laughs> saw that follows us on social, as soon as it happened, TJ had a reaction video of me and I was not happy with the signing. This was before it was seconds after Schefter had tweeted it. So it was before any money was released. I figured that he was somewhere in the five to ten million dollar range, but probably like five to eight million is what they were paying him. I was like, that's way too much for Mitch Trubisky, who's gonna be a backup. Then it came out, it's only two and a half million. They were paying Matt Barkley two million last year. So for five hundred thousand dollars more, you upgrade to Mitch Trubisky. So I'm okay with it. I think it'll be fine and work out. And you've got someone that you can at least partly count on if I something think, were to happen to Josh Mitch Allen. Is like, I think Mitch is a fine backup. I like He's a guy that can move around. Yeah. He's young. Just with their cap situation, not at $8 million or yeah. $5, 6000000 million because there's other positions they could have spent that money on. But at $2.5 million, yes. I think he kind of fits a little bit of what that offense has become now, too, under Josh Allen. Like I think he can do a lot of the similar things that Josh does, albeit at a much lower level. Like he can get out and run around and do some of that stuff. And you're, you know, a quarterback in Josh Allen that is very mobile, that does take a lot of hits, that is a big guy. I mean, that frame wears down. I mean, ask Cam Newton. Nobody, they, the hits add up. So, like, I, I do think Buffalo is smart to ensure the quarterback position. Um, but yeah, I thought that was funny. I, of course, tweeted at you. Uh, had to. Had to. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so Mr. Biskey goes to the Bills. And I think it's interesting that he signed, was it the same day or day after the Dalton signing? I think that he, you know, obviously wasn't getting any, you know, offers to start anywhere. Yeah, I think he signed like the day after Dalton. So his only chance to get basically on the field was if the Bears were going to bring him back on a one-year prove-it deal. Well, apparently but, uh, he had some other offers from teams that were a lot more than Buffalo. And Brandon Bean, the Buffalo GM, called him and talked to him and talked him into coming to Buffalo. Interesting. So, so he, uh, I think he just kind of wanted to come and learn under Brian Dayball and some of the stuff that Josh is doing and improve and then hit the market next year, hoping to get a bigger deal. Kind of like Teddy Bridgewater did, I think is what he's trying to take that route. Yeah, good luck. That's all <laughs> I got to say. <laughs> so good luck to Mitch Trubisky and his endeavors to get back on into a starting job. So let's move on to the questions. Now we got a couple of questions uh, the, to this point in the off season. And Tali, I'll ask, I'll ask them to you is how we'll do this. Okay. And then I'll then I'll give you my answer. So, who do you think is the most improved team in free agency so far to this point? I think I have to take the Patriots. I think because them, I think them signing Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith are 
a big deal. That defense, they've made a couple more signings over there. They've Patrick Chung retired, but a lot of those guys that opted out are coming back next year. They obviously still have Cam Newton, and I think they're going to address that either through the draft or something later on. I wouldn't be actually surprised if they tried to trade for Deshaun Watson, especially right now. I think his value is kind of down with all the the off-the-field stuff that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I don't know. Like, should we touch on that for a second? Like, can that's, I think, a big – that basically puts a pause, I think, on that. Yeah. I mean, until that gets resolved, I can't see a trade happening. Yeah, I don't think any teams are really – call an itching to get him in their building right now until they know what's going on. It's just too big of a risk. Like it's just, it's a non-starter. You just can't do anything. And it's just, you, you freeze it, you put it on ice and you just wait to see how it plays out. I think is, is how you got to approach that from a front front office perspective. And now I think Texans might be kicking themselves. They didn't take some of those first offers that they got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if, if the allegations, you know, turn out to unfortunately be true. Um, Yeah. You know, I th- I think could I say a te- the most improved team is a team that brought back their guys. Like I think yeah. the Bucks being able to hold on to Chris Godwin, to Levante David, to Shaq Barrett, holding on, they got the entire team back together, uh, minus Leonard Fournette. Um, so I Which think I that heard that, that that deal is coming in the next few. Yeah, uh, and I've heard yeah, like he's not super expensive. He wants to yeah. resign. No shit. So. Uh, <laughs> Like the fact that they were able to do all of that is a real, you know, uh, you know, props to Jason Light and to into the Bucks organization because uh, it's it was not easy to do. And to yeah. e- even though obviously it's going to come to a head, you're going to lose a lot of guys eventually. Like to even every year you can keep it together and and keep as many of those guys on the team as you can, the better. And he figured out a way. Oh, well, franchise got one. I'm going to give. David his money. I'm gonna give Barrett his money, and we're gonna get 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 it rolling here. So I th- I think the Bucks. If I can take that, if I'm taking pure free agents, just to be different, I'll go with the Jags. I think the Jags have made a lot of underrated signings. They had a lot of money to spend. They uh, brought in uh, Shaquille Griffin. There's like he was Seattle's number one corner last year. Um, they they filled a lot of needs to at least put guys on the field. Uh, to the point where now you can draft really whoever you want uh, after Trevor Lawrence, of course. But they have they have uh, I think some intriguing, you know, receiving weapons. You got Marvin Jones to go with Lavisca Chenault and uh, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook. Who's the other guy they got down there? Oh, uh, Shark. D.J. Chark, D.J. Yeah. Charky Sharky. So uh, you know they they have they have uh, they're building you know they're building the house for Trevor Lawrence, right? Oh, yeah. you, you need to make sure that you have the pieces. Um, I think they let there's some, I mean, James Robinson, Illinois State guy. I think of it, they're probably going to look to address running back in the draft, but uh, James Robinson got the job done last year. He was elite. So yeah. uh, he, they, they, I think, got a lot better this offseason. Is it going to matter? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, I do think that they brought in a lot of talent this year, had a lot of money to spend, and I think that they did a pretty good job in uh their signings so biggest surprise other than the Patriots spending for me this is the length of the contracts I think there's been a lot of guys that have signed three to four year deals and I was expecting a lot of guys to take one year small money deals to kind of get through this year where the cap is down and then these next couple years as it skyrockets with the 110 billion dollars they just signed in tv money kind of try to take those three four-year deals then but a lot of them have taken four-year deals this offseason my biggest surprise gotta be matthew stafford i mean that was such a bombshell um, you didn't think he was gonna get traded no it was more the or way he got traded to the, uh, to, to the rams for jared goff straight up like that that was crazy to me um it's crazy that the rams moved off of goff you know you knew stafford was probably on his way out but to whom and for what was really a shocker to me. If I didn't say that, I would say more on a general uh, terms of speaking, I would have to go with kind of on a, on a similar note to what you were saying, Tali, not the length of the contract so much as how many guys are getting signed. You know, I knew that I knew the top guys would get signed. Like you, you knew whether they signed with their team or with another team that the Aaron Jones, the Kenny Galladay's, these guys at the top of the market for their position 
were going to get signed and, and the money was not going to look any different for them. But what's been surprising to me is how many of the mid-level guys have gone. Like John Brown, he, he got yeah. scooped up right away. A lot of these mid-level free agents have had no problem finding work. And uh, it, that, I think, has been the biggest surprise to me because I thought that those guys were really going to have a tough time with the money squeeze. And I thought that there was going to be you know, a lot of guys still looking for jobs come draft time or having to take a lot of deals that made you shake your head. But for the most part, a lot of the deals that I'm seeing like kind of make sense. I'm like, okay, that makes sense for that player. So uh, that would probably be the biggest surprise for me. Um, who's the most confusing approach for you? The Raiders. So I think they've just kind of signed some weird deals. Like they got Yannick Nagake. They got Kenyon Drake this and John Brown. They re-signed Theo Riddick and Zay Jones. Like people that don't really do much for you. And then they trade away Trent Brown. They trade away Rodney Hudson, who's a pro bowler. Like They release uh, LaMarcus Joyner. Like they kind of got rid of some good players and then signed some not so great players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the Raiders like John Gruden is crazy. I think is what yeah. that boils down to. Um, and he has been uh, basically a disaster. I thought it was going to be a disaster. I, everybody's so shocked. Like I I'm sorry. Like, I don't feel like I'm a genius for thinking that that was not going to work out. I mean, when they signed the 10 year deal, it was like, I don't think he's going to make it 10 years. Like, well, it, that it's down. like, I, I don't think he's a terrible coach by any means, but to think that he was going to take the Raiders who he's were, a terrible GM is what gets in his way. He's a yes. pretty good coach, but I, I do think the personnel he's a, guy he's a, is not good. He's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm glad that everybody at least knows the score. Like Mike Mayock ain't making any of these decisions. No. This is all John Gruden. And uh, so, you know, I, I agree with you, though, Nick. It's like you cut, like, all your linemen. Like, what? Josh Jacobs was the best part of your offense last year. You, you want to get rid of Derek Carr because you don't like him. Not that yeah. he's a bad player, just you don't like him. No, the, the, and that's the whole reason they cut Rodney Hudson. I, yeah. I don't think – I think John Gruden was sick of him. It's like, maybe, like, let's try – like, let's try to work it out with Rodney Hudson and see what happens come fall. It's like, these guys are good players, and you're just letting them walk or cutting them. Like, what? That doesn't make much sense. So, my 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 most confusing team is going to be uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. You let uh, Shaq Lawson walk, which I'm, I wasn't necessarily pro giving him the franchise tag, uh, but I was pro working out a deal with him um, when you had money to spend, I mean, they, they had, I think a little bit of money to spend cause they brought in other guys. It, you, you signed Trey Hendrickson for four years and $60 million in place of Shaq Lawson, which is absolutely nutty to me. Uh, <laughs> you see a lot of, you know, the three or four year deals. I think that's the biggest thing is like that. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised with a lot of these teams. You don't win super bowls signing the 60 to 80 million, hundred million dollar contracts and for agency. You sign the $30 million guys, sign the $40 million guys. And Trey Henderson to me is a 30 or $40 million guy. If that, I mean, I had no idea who he was before this year. The the white dude that wears the long sleeves is how I knew him until about week 10. So I, I think he's a good player. I, I, the white dude with the long sleeves was always on my team. I was like, God, that guy sacks people just constantly. Yeah. But to, to let Shaq Lawson go, who is a freak, a former five-star athlete, you know, drafted high, has been a productive player. Like, wh wh why didn't you take that money and throw it at Lawson? Instead, instead, you let him walk and you get, in my mind, a worse player. Um, you, they also signed Chidobi Awuzie. Actually kind of liked that signing. I think uh, for three years, $21 million, that's a fair deal. Former first-round pick. First-round pick? Yeah, first-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and then they signed uh, a couple of their own guys back. They signed Riley Reef to play tackle, who uh, had been let go by the Minnesota Vikings. Then they signed Eli Apple. But I just felt like, especially with their rivals in Cleveland, they're just not doing enough to protect Joe Burrow, to add weapons to this team, to make the defense better. I thought that they're that of the guys they got with the money they had to spend, at the positions in need, I thought they could have just done a lot better than they did with what they had. So that would have been my most confusing approach. Like, 
why not just sign Shaq Lawson? You know, yeah. uh, even if he's a little bit more expensive, like it can't be that much more expensive than what you offered Hendrickson. And I don't have the details of what Lawson signed for, but I'm sure it wasn't, you know, that much more outrageous uh, of a deal. So, next question: Are the Bucks favorites? They're not for me. Who are? Who is? Who is rather? Well, I'll take Buffalo out of the AFC, but if I they were, for some reason if they can't make it out of the AFC, I'd still I'll take the Chiefs. I think they can figure it out. I think the Chiefs are still the team to beat. They're the favorites. I think they will be for quite some time. Um, I think it's the only reason hard you could to maybe put it, it is even if you bring all those guys back, they're still another year older, a little bit slower. Takes one it's injury to completely change the makeup of the team, yep. and you know, obviously, on a Super Bowl team, you normally you don't have that injury, right? Like right. I think Mike Evans had had injuries. Godwin had missed a couple games, but they didn't have that, you know, ACL tear in Week Three. They didn't have David Bakhtiari go down and practice the week before the NFC Championship game. You know, uh, right. they, they when you don't have to overcome that, you you can't bet on that happening twice. The only the reason I think that it's fair to say the Chiefs are not favorites is because they did let their two tackles walk, Schwartz and Fisher, who had been hurt, but still really good players. You get Tooney in there, though. That kind of they, helps they are trying to replace run up him, the middle. But are they gonna, they're not going to put him outside, so you're still short two tackles. Yeah. Um. So th- they're going to have some problems on the offensive line next year, but uh, I still think when you got Patty Mahomes, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, like, you know, Chris Jones, that's it's that's that's been their team the last couple of years, and that'll continue to be the makeup of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm I'm riding with them. I'll take them over anybody uh for the foreseeable future until that roster gets a lot worse. Alrighty, this is the we'll end on a fun one, uh, in terms of the questions. Better in 2021, Fitzmagic or Jameis. We we need to find out where Jameis lands, but he already re-signed with the Saints. No, that's right, right, that's right. Yeah. He's probably going to start with the Saints. Fitz Magic is with the Washington football team. Right. I kind of have this suspicion, and I feel bad about it, that Fitz Magic is going to be another quarterback that goes down to FedEx field turf. Well, <sighs> natural grass. You don't, why would you say that? I, not, here, I'm knocking just, on wood right I now. I just have this feeling, you know, he's a little bit older he's guy. Older. Yeah. Yeah, that... It, he likes to scramble out of there and just someone's going to catch him at the right angle. And there goes his knee. I think that, you know, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick's going to have a better year than Jameis. I see, think I that, like Jameis got his eyes fixed. He can see linebackers. Now he's not going to throw <laughs> it 30 interceptions and he'll have a decent year with Sean Payton. I, th- I think Jameis is going to have a decent year. Well, so what are we talking like stats or like team success? I think we got to go stats because I think think Jameis is going to have better stats. He's he throws for a million yards. He's going to assuredly be better than he ever has been before in his career with Sean Payton, the year to learn with Drew Brees. Like how often, like in the middle of your career, do you just basically get to take a sabbatical to learn behind one of the best tandems in the league? And they actually fully intend on giving you the starting job. Not giving, he's going to have to pay play with Taysom Hill, but like, let's assume for now that he gets the starting job. Like what, a, what an opportunity. So I, I think from a stats perspective, uh, Jameis from a team success perspective, I kind of like the Washington football team <laughs> next year. I, I think that they are doing some good stuff. I think that if it's magic can stay healthy, uh, and, and continue to play well, I don't see why he can't repeat what he did in Miami. Are you going to pick it, them as a division winner? I don't know yet. Maybe, maybe though. Uh, I think that at the very least, they could be a wild card again. Uh, I, I, I feel think like their they're defense either going to be. They're going to go that way, or that could turn into Big Webs Falcons as the NFC South ch- champs. <laughs> take well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The NFC East is going to be weak. They'll be better than the Eagles. I think they're probably they're more talented than the Giants. I do. I do think that. Look at the defense. I mean, look at the defense in another year. With Ron Rivera, who was, by the way, fighting cancer last year. Yeah. Like, I think that that team is on the up and up. I'm a big believer in Ron Rivera. I'm a big believer in the guys they have on the defense. I think that Washington defense could be the surprise unit of 2021. I guess there's my hot take. I think the Washington football team's defense is going to be like top five next year. That's how good I think they're going to be because their front seven is a nightmare to deal with. 
And if they can just keep on adding a couple pieces, they, they, they can have continued to just supplement with these guys. And it's all of a sudden now you look up at the roster and you're like, boy, oh boy, where's the hole? I don't see where I'm supposed to, where the holes are. I don't see where I'm supposed to score on this defense. And so if the offense can just be competent, which I think is the Washington's idea in signing Fitz, Fitz magic, it's like, yeah. we're, we're going to win a lot of football games. So, uh, they're obviously less talented, I think, still than the Cowboys, and they have a significant quarterback edge on the rest of the division. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think Washington's right there. So uh, yeah, so stats, Jameis wins. If Fitzmagic doesn't blow a knee at FedEx Field, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going uh, Fitzmagic. So let's do a deep drive on the draft quarterbacks, and then we will end the podcast. I have completed. My film watching of all the first round QBs, and I got them ranked, and I'm not going to share them now, but I'll just go down the list of consensus uh, what it is. Uh, everybody has kind of looked at it as Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, Fields three, Lance four. So we'll just go through those four guys. I got an article coming uh, to from the 50.com about the case for and against them. I'm not going to do that here. But we'll just kind of, I'll give you kind of what I saw from them in terms of how they play, in case you didn't get to watch much college football this year, how I think they're going to translate into the league and maybe some fits offensively. Trevor Lawrence, first up, I think he's the best, um, you know, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. He has, he was a highly touted recruit, um, has, you know, had an insane amount of hype at Clemson and lived up to it. Um, ever since he was a true freshman, I knew he was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. It was so obvious. Even then, he was the best quarterback in college football. He was better than Tua. Uh, he was absolutely unreal um, for Clemson. Ousted Kelly Bryant pretty quickly. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence, as a physical athlete, is just everything you'd want. He has the height. I think he's like in the six three six four range. See, maybe I didn't be like six five. He's tall. Uh, he has the arm strength and the athleticism that the starting quarterbacks have nowadays. He can six, do. Six. He's six foot six. So he's a, he's yeah. a tall, tall guy. He's got the size to go with it too. It's not like he's a bean pole. I think he could probably add some weight, but uh, he's fine. There has unreal arm strength, unreal touch reads the defenses He's just, I mean, the Joe Burrow of this class. And it's uh, more about how you make sure you put him in a position to succeed because he, I think, is a fit for any offense. Any team would, I think, be lucky to have him. And he's exactly what you want in the modern NFL quarterback now. Like these young guys coming out, he is the prototype uh, because he can run zone read. He can do your zone offense, your play action stuff, get rolling outside the pocket and throw darts. He can stand in there and throw it to any place on the field. He can throw your deep post. He can throw your go route. He can throw your deep out. He could throw your dig. He can do it all. And for the Jacksonville Jaguars who are going to take him, it's going to be about how do I put him in his position? Maybe not even to succeed so much as to not fail, right? Like just make sure you're not putting him in a completely losing situation because he can overcome a lot of stuff in the pocket if his offensive line has deficiencies. But I think at least early on in his career, since the Jacksonville Jaguars are so short on talent, they're doing a good job, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, to add to that in free agency, and they have a boatload of picks. But you need to hit on those picks. And I think the the game we saw him play against Ohio State where he struggled and the team struggled and they were outmatched and he was running for his life, I think that's kind of what it's going to look like, you, you know, the, the first year or two in Jacksonville because they are not going to be able to – he's not going to walk in and just, you know, take this team, you know, to all these new heights. Uh, it's going to take some time because they are so short on talent. And he's used to playing with Clemson where they played in the ACC, but they're really like an SEC team. So um, I think it is going to be a a little tough for him early on. I think it's going to kind of look like that Ohio State game. But even in that Ohio State game, which is like, again, just reaffirmed to me why he's the top quarterback in this draft, is he still looked good throughout that uh, and and didn't let it rattle him and handled it pretty well. 
I mean, it wasn't like some impressive display of dominance. Obviously, they lost the game in convincing fashion, but he still played well, represented himself well, and played well under the circumstances when other quarterbacks would have would have looked just terrible. So that's Trevor Lawrence. Let's move on to Zach Wilson out of Brigham Young University. He has been comped, and I have comped him actually to Aaron Rodgers. And you think that is absolutely insane. And it is insane, but not if you look at it stylistically. And normally when I do my comps, I always comp guys in, in terms of their physical profile. Uh, Zach Wilson simply, at least like to my knowledge, going back, trying to think, I couldn't think of a physical comparison for Zach Wilson who had the same strengths and traits that he does. He is six foot four, but he's like 200 pounds. I mean, not even like 190 pounds. ESPN, he is absolutely going to have to put on some weight. ESPN has him listed at six, three two ten, but he looks a lot skinnier than it's not true. It's not true. Um, I'd be, I'd be really surprised if he actually weighs that maybe, he, you know I mean? He, you can't bulk up for in kind of, you know, fraud some of that stuff in the off season. But when you see him play very skinny guy, but a tall guy and a very athletic guy, the reason I comp him to Aaron Rodgers is because this guy has a flair for the dramatic and a playmaking ability that reminds me of number 12 in green Bay. He also has a lightning quick release, which I think is one of his best attributes. The ball is out. I mean, when he makes up his mind, it's gone. It, it is, it is very quick, just like Aaron Rodgers. He makes the plays outside of the structure of the offense, just like Aaron Rodgers. When you watch them play, again, they do not compare really physically at all. Uh, they are totally different sizes and heights. But when you compare the styles that they play, he's very, very similar. So the concern is that, are you going to replicate that in the NFL? Because are you, you're, you're, uh, in all likelihood, you're not going to be Aaron Rodgers. So how do we get you in a position to succeed? Well, I think that he is going to work really well in some zone stuff where like, it, like in San Francisco, for example, if you can get that outside run going where you can get him on the move and you can create some easy throws for him, I think that's good. I, I, I though too think that he can't stand in the pocket and, and run your pro style offense with your play action and throw bombs. He throws a lot better actually when he's stationary as opposed to when he's moving. When he gets out on the run is actually when he'll tend to, to throw an inaccurate pass. It's also when he makes these dazzling plays, but when his accuracy does wane, it's when he's throwing on the run, which is you know something that's natural. I would hope that you're better standing on platform than you are when you're you know rolling out. Uh, there was a report, and I don't think it's fair to him. It's basically been debunked. There was a report that he was like kind of like a, a bit like a rich kid, maybe you know not the not the best locker room guy, maybe a little cocky. Basically, Adam Schefter and the guys in the know basically said it's bullshit. So I'm not worried about that. The biggest thing I'm worried about with him is durability because of his size and uh, how do you replicate his skills and attributes to the NFL because I think that his tape, you know, is not of that much use to you because BYU played an awful schedule in 2020. I mean, go look at the teams they played. Trey Lance played teams just as talented, I'm sure. So, and he plays obviously division one double A at North Dakota state. The toughest team they played was coastal Carolina. And, and uh, you know, they, they were not, in that game, they did not look good offensively. They didn't score very many points, and he did not look particularly good in that game, and they lost. Their, so, Their last five opponents were Central Florida, San Diego State, Coastal Carolina, uh, I think it's North Alabama, and then Boise State. It's an absolute and joke. He put up 51 against Boise State. So, I mean, that's that's impressive, right? Like He yeah. put up dazzling numbers, and it's not to be discounted either, by the way, but... I just think that that's that's caused a pause, right? Like you didn't get to see him against a single power five school. Uh, and, you know, how is he? Yeah, he was able to escape, you know, these Mountain West guys. It's going to be a little different when Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack and these pro pro guys are coming at you and landing on top of you. So those are my biggest concerns. But I mean, from the quarterback position, he does basically everything right. 
I mean, he scans the field. He is not a one-read quarterback. You do not have to worry about that with him. He is a playmaker. If the initial route isn't there, he can extend plays, move outside the pocket, use his legs to pick up first downs and touchdowns, and he can throw on the run. And he's really good at finding his receivers downfield too. A little bit of like, honestly, like Brett Favre in him too. Like he's he's a little bit of a gunslinger that way. He will try to fit the ball into some tight windows and he'll throw some picks because of that. But that's again, like part of the, his playmaking ability. And that's what has everybody so excited. And that's why he's basically the consensus number two behind Trevor Lawrence. And uh, even uh, Chris Sims had him above Trevor Lawrence, which I think is absolutely nutty. But uh, th- that's, how, that's how high people are on Zach Wilson. Justin Fields. Now, Justin Fields was a guy that was very tough for me to ultimately have an opinion on. I was not very high on him going into this year. I didn't know how he really profiled as an NFL quarterback. Outstanding college quarterback. Didn't know how he was going to project to the league. And I think that his comp for me is Deshaun Watson. And I think that he does a lot of things similar to Watson. And I think the biggest reason I comped him to Watson was obviously they, they profile are similar, similarly athletically. And I think their best attribute is their leadership and their off-the-field uh, ability, which is part of the reason what makes this Deshaun Watson allegation thing so shocking. But Deshaun Watson at Clemson was just a winner. Now, the, the, nowadays we think, oh, Dabo Sweeney, it's, it's just an absolute factory. It wasn't that way when Deshaun Watson was there. It's a factory in part because of the success of Deshaun Watson and his leadership ability. So Justin Fields reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson in that way, in that he's a just a total winner, a tough, tough SOB, and just a leader. Uh, nobody petitioned harder than him to play this fall for college football. He took on politicians. He took on conference officials. Uh, put a target on his back and, you know, was at the forefront of the reason we had a college football season to begin with this fall. And so I think that was absolutely commendable. He didn't have to do that. He was going to get drafted in the first round regardless, but he did. And then he plays through the hip injury. He obliterates Clemson with the hip injury. And, you know, the toughness, again, didn't need to do it. Could have sat out. Plays the rest of the Clemson game. Leads him to a convincing victory. Goes up against Alabama. Plays hurt in that game. He played through, you know, nagging stuff all season long. And got Ohio State, you know, has been the leader of that program for the last two years. So uh, I I love Justin Fields as a leader. And I think he's going to succeed in the NFL because of that. Now, as a player and as a prospect right now, he's very raw. He is a one-read guy right now to me when I watch him. He is not a guy that's going to be able to go from the second read to the third read to scramble. He's pretty much going to be like, okay, Deshaun, we're going to have you look to – or I call him Deshaun. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Justin, we're going to have you look to the left side of the field. If the post isn't there, you're going to dump it off to the running back or throw it away. Uh, That's going to be kind of how he's going to have to run the offense because he's just not there in terms of development uh, with with, you know his – his his quarterbacking ability, I guess you could say. But he has the physical abilities to make all the throws. He's a freak, too. I mean, like, this guy, I think he ran like a 4-3 uh, at one of his workouts the other day. He's going to be, you know, uh, one of the, one of if not the most athletic quarterback we've seen come out, you know, ranked very high in the last couple of years. Uh, he's, he's, he could, if he didn't play quarterback, he could play another position in the NFL easily. Uh, he's going to be able to, to give you rushing ability. He's going to be able to do all those things that you want to do in the zone offense, which I think is where he fits best too, because he is a guy that I think is uh, fit is going to be the biggest deal for him because he's going to need to grow. He ideally would benefit from a year off. Uh, a year sitting. I think all these guys would. I mean, to, they all would because it's just such a big leap. But he more so than than probably Zach Wilson or or, or Trevor Lawrence would benefit from some time to, to learn, to just develop his passing ability because he's not going to be able to do it all and he's going to be limited uh, early on in his career. But again, 
his winning mentality and his his the physical ability is there. And I'm just betting on on the personality of the kid to get better. I mean, we've seen Josh Josh Allen was had all the physical tools, but was just abysmal. Uh, in terms of like his accuracy coming out and his consistency. Well, what has he done? He's continued to grind and work at that. And now he's taken the bills to an AFC championship game a couple years later. And he's like an MVP candidate. So if if you have the, the head on your shoulders, I think that's the biggest thing in quarterbacks. And we don't truly know that, but Justin Fields seems to have it. And he has the athletic prerequisites. So uh, big on Justin Fields. Um, I really like him coming out. Uh, last but not least, Trey, Trey Lance, Trey Lance out of North Dakota state. Uh, he is a, another guy that has all the physical tools. Um, you know, the, really the only person that I think is lacking is Mac Jones, who I'm not even going to talk about today. Uh, because I think he, the other four guys are just so much better, um, and more gifted. Trey Lance accounted for 43 touchdowns and zero interceptions in 2019. A lot of people are low on him because of the one game scrimmage they played to try to like give him like a showcase. Yeah, he's uh, basically played one season. Yes. In FCS football, and that's it. And so that's the knock on him. And he didn't look that great in the showcase game. But like, I, I don't care about the showcase game at all. Literally couldn't care less about that. The biggest thing that I like about him that gives me a little bit more confidence is we've seen Carson Wentz come from that school and have a ton of success. And I think part of it is because in the North Dakota State offense, they ask their quarterbacks to do a lot of what these NFL offensive coordinators are going to ask their quarterbacks to do on Sundays. I mean, he makes checks at the line, calls audibles, calls out the mic. He does all those things, make sure the protection's right. They asked them to do that at North Dakota State, and Carson Wentz was better off for it, and Trey Lance will be better off for it. Trey Lance is a is a great dual-threat quarterback. I think he might be the best dual-threat quarterback in this draft, even better than Justin Fields, because his his rushing ability, I mean, the guy's kind of a tank. And again, I think you got to put it, take it with a grain of salt. It was FCS guys that he was playing against, but I watched him just straight run over a couple people, uh, which I did not see any other quarterback do in in the in the games that I watched um where Trey Lance is is gonna have to to have some questions that he needs to answer is going to be obviously the level of competition Tali you already mentioned that that's the biggest thing right like he has not played division one football uh well not FBS football yeah. he is the level of athlete he's gonna see in the NFL is not anywhere close to what he's experienced before the speed of the game is going to be a lot different than what he's seen before also if you want to criticize Mac Jones for having an all-star team and Trevor Lawrence for having an all-star team, you got to do it with, with Trey Lance because North Dakota State was better than every opponent they played against this year. They're three-time national champions. Uh, now, a lot of that is due to Trey Lance and his leadership, but um, you know they have a better team. They've been a powerhouse in FCS football for quite some time now, so... I do think it's fair to wonder, okay, well, what's it going to look like when the chips are reversed, when he goes to a bad team that doesn't have great offensive weapons and a great offensive line, and he's going to have to score 30 a game to win. Uh, I think there's going to be a learning curve for Trey Lance, too. I think that his might be a little steeper than some of the other guys just because of he didn't play FBS football, but I think more of his learning curve will be like the speed of the game because I think the coaching staff in some ways has prepared him better than a lot of these other guys that have come from big schools uh, because they run such different offenses. But uh, Trey Lance is going to be a guy that uh, can run your zone read. He's going to be a, a dual threat quarterback. Absolutely. He can make every throw on the field, physical specimen, six foot three, I think like 220 pounds, uh, really impressive guy. He throws a lot of deep balls. Uh, but again, in a lot of the games I watched, guys are wide open. And so similarly to uh, Zach Wilson, some of his tapey, it's just like, well, you know, I don't really know what I can make of this because you're not going to get that all the time in the NFL. Uh, his release is a little long. He's got a hitch in his release, which I don't think is the biggest deal, but it, it, it it'll, it'll concern some teams. Uh, but ultimately I think it's really easy to overthink Trey Lance. I think he's going to be a success in the NFL as well because of his physical ability. I think he's the most physically gifted of the bunch minus Trevor Lawrence. And uh, 
I, I, I always, you know, kind of the mantra that I've taken up, I stole it from Daniel Jeremiah. If you like quarterbacks that don't turn the ball over and win every game they've played in, you're going to like Trey Lance. So, uh, that that's kind of my, my take and my stance on him. And that'll kind of wrap us up. Uh, Tali, were any takeaways from what I said, anything that you've gleaned from, uh, the, the college football season? Are there some guys you like heading into the draft? No, I don't get a chance to really watch much college football during the actual season. Um, so, And I haven't really dug in too much to some of these guys. I did see some tape from uh, Mac Jones in the Notre Dame game, so I have some thoughts on him if we talked about him on a different day. Do you think he's a first-round quarterback? I, I don't know. That's tough. The... Uh, Tape that I was watching. Let, I think let me, he got let some me just lucky say, breaks in that game. Let me just say, there's a reason I didn't include him today yeah. with uh, the top four. Um, I think he's. I th- all right. Here, here's what I'll tell the the viewing audience. He's going on day one. Oh yeah, no question about it. He is going on day one. But do I think he's a first round quarterback? Would I do it? No way, Jose. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll talk. We'll definitely talk about him. I think he's going to be one of the more polarizing players as we hit April. And I don't think that there's, I think there's situations in which he can absolutely have some success in the NFL, depending on what team he goes to. He might um, have the most success because he's going to get drafted late in a round and go to a And, and he, team. and a lot of the teams I've heard posited for him. Now I think that guys do this on purpose because they want to see somebody go somewhere where it's an interesting fit, but I've heard like the saints and the pats. I mean like, the, yeah, I, I think his odds are pretty good to at least be decent. If, I uh, saw he was a, one of those a mock draft today that had him going to the Bucks, thirty-second overall. Right, like, like I mean, sorry, like no matter how I rank the QBs, <laughs> yeah. like if Zach Wilson goes to the Jets and Trey Lance goes to the Niners, I feel pretty good about Trey Lance having a better career. I mean, I yeah. does that make me crazy? Like one's playing for Kyle Shanahan, one's playing for Robert Sala. You know, yeah. and Robert Sala is a good coach. I, I think he's going to be a good coach. And Michael Fleur could be a good coach, too. So maybe that wasn't the best example. But like, let's say one of them goes to San Fran and one of them goes to Cincinnati or uh, t- Texans. Well, let's yeah. say one of them goes to Houston. Like, I feel pretty confident the guy that goes to Houston is not going to be as good as the guy that goes to San Francisco and is coached by Kyle Shanahan. So uh, that'll wrap it up for our show today. You can call us or text us at 904-990-FT50. Again, that is 904-990-FT50 or 3850 if that's tripping you up. Uh, But go ahead, give us a call, give us a text. I don't think we've read any yet, uh, Tali, but uh, go ahead and uh, text us and we'll bank a couple and then we'll uh, hopefully get that rolling. So uh, that'll do it for us here on the show. Thank you so much for making us a part of your week, and we'll see you next week on the Midweek Review.